0: Everyone and Welcome to Radically Normal. This is Michael and I'm here with Andre and on today's episode titled The Best Present, we talk about God's presence as shown from Genesis to Revelation and how we fit into that story. We hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: What's up guys? I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone's having a really great week. It's been kind of tough for me. It's been a really fun semester overall. You guys know if you've been listening that I've been working in Houston, so not really taking any classes. Um, unlike Michael, who uh, is about to have to take some finals here soon. I've kind of just been, you know, working it. And yeah, well, that is, well, that is um, challenging in and of of itself. Um, It's more relaxing than, you know, having to take tests throughout the semester and all that. But this next week, I'm actually gonna have to do my final presentation. So it's a little bit of added stress uh, this week that I'm not so much used to. uh, But, you know, it's refreshing to get to do some podcasting today. And uh, actually, today was kind of a crazy day. Our our downloads like boosted way up. So thank you guys for like sharing and all that. Um, we're we're really excited about that and, and hoping you know that these conversations continue to be fruitful for you guys.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I was going to say the same thing about the downloads the last couple days have been really high. And along with that, two people in particular shared on their, I think it was the Spotify wrapped thing on Instagram, and people are posting on social media, but they post about how we're in their top three most listened to. And uh, I thought that was an honor to, to even be on there with some of these great other podcasts that are much better than ours that I look up to. And so that was amazing.
1: Yeah, man, I'm just, you know, I'm ex- really excited about that and excited about all of the, uh, you know, good work we've been doing here. And, you know, guys, like, you know, keep a lookout for the end of the season. Um, just like last semester, we're going to do a Q&A. So, you know, if you guys have any questions you want to ask, semester. Uh, send those uh, are the in. people
0: in for uh, school when they listen to our podcast?
1: <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I definitely <laughs> meant season. That, that's my bad. That's my bad, guys. But, yeah, just like last season, we're going to have a – Q&A. So, you know, ask, ask any questions you have, send those in uh, via email or Instagram or or whatever, Uh, you know, keep sharing the podcast to friends and family and, um, you know, look out for that, that Q&A. We'll probably, we'll probably do a post about that uh, sometime soon.
0: Last season, we got questions ranging from who's the best player of all time in basketball, to which Andre and I debated about that all the way to, you know, what's your favorite battle in the, in the Bible. And what's the difference between, uh, faith and what the demons think in James chapter two. So all different types of questions. So send in whatever, whatever you want. And like Andre said, we have like a couple, uh, more weeks of work and of school and then we get a nice break. So then it'll feel like we can just podcast, not have to focus on anything else. And then we get to go skiing and that'll be like right as the season concludes. So it'll be like the podcast season ends and then we get to go ski.
1: And much uh, like uh, twenty twenty has been so far, we're actually going to be hopping on a Zoom call uh, to plan the ski trip. Everyone's pretty far away right now, and <laughs> and uh, thankfully you know Zoom has kind of taken off, and now we can have a nice Zoom call, not to, you know Skype or anything. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to plan for it.
0: Yeah, I am too. And I think that one thing that's just interesting as we talk about Zoom and technology, you think about all the bad ways technology is used, whether it be uh, TikTok. Andre knows my disdain there. But it, whether it be TikTok or Instagram or Zoom, like all the potential uh, pitfalls of technology, there's also so many good things that God uses it for. And, and just like anything else, God is reconciling things to himself. And so God uses things for his good purposes. So whether or not Zoom was created for the church I don't know the answer to that question, but God has been using it for his church and uh, has hosted a lot of Bible studies, different church things on it as well. So that is also cool. And now on Zoom, we get to record this podcast.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that is a good way to, you know, get us into what we're going to be talking today. Um, As you guys know, we'll be talking about God's presence and you guys have been following along with Instagram TV. Uh, We won't keep mentioning that we've talked about it uh, in that series, but a lot of these things we, we have uh, kind of have been interwoven into um, our discussions on there. So we're excited to kind of, you know, put this all into one episode and talk about how we see God's presence from Genesis to Revelation, and then also how we fit into that and kind of, you know, to tie it all, all together. Uh, so we're excited to, to dive into that for this episode.
0: Exactly. So to kind of introduce the idea of God's presence. God's presence is, is an amazing way to summarize the entire Bible to to make a cohesive theme about what God is doing in the Bible. When Ephesians 1 says God is reconciling all things to himself, means he's bringing things into his presence. And so people also talk about the kingdom of God being a unifying theme, and while that's certainly going to be interwoven in today's episode, the main theme for us today is God's presence. And so many say that the Bible can be summed up in three words, God with us. And so this is going to be true today as we look at how God is with us from Genesis to Revelation. And this is significant because we have been created for God's presence. This is where Adam and Eve are in the garden as we're about to begin here in Genesis 1. And so anything that falls short of that, like C.S. Lewis says, we're too easily satisfied when he's talking about sin. Anything short of that's not going to satisfy. Our deepest longings are only uh, fulfilled when we're in God's presence. So, Andre, do you want to kick us off as we look at Genesis 1 and get into the Bible?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. I agree with, you know, everything that you said there, uh, especially, you know, how, God's presence is such a big theme. We see throughout the entirety of the Bible, you know, just thinking of, you know, how, um, when we worship, we want to, you know, uh, you know, we worship to, you know, be God's presence, you know, all the, you know, discipleship that we do, um, you know, all the things is, is to, is to, um, more so, be like, be Christ-like, um, be in God's presence, and, and like you said, when we were introing with, with, with zoom, you know, whatever it may be that we're doing, uh, all those things get reconciled to God and all those things can be used, you know, to glorify him. And like you said, God's presence is seen throughout the Bible it talks about Genesis to revelation and, and, and kind of doing analysis of where we see it throughout and, you know, we want to start right off in, in Genesis, uh, where we see actually, you know, God is present, uh, at creation. We see him in the garden. We see him with Adam and Eve. Um, We see this idealized uh, version of of how um, God intended for uh, his presence to be known uh, to humanity. Um, And, you know, I think that's a a great place to start. and And it is where we're going to start today.
0: Exactly. So just to summarize Genesis 1 real quick, we see that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so that unfolds as Genesis 1 unravels. And on the sixth day, and, and starting in verse 26, I believe, God creates man and woman in his image and in, in likeness. And so we see that that happens on the sixth day. And chapter two, you could you could make the case, is like a zoom in on the sixth day. So God, uh, it, chapter two does begin with God's rest on the seventh day. But we see that with the creation of woman, a man and woman starting in verse four, we see that God is present with him. He breathes uh, into the man. He breathes into his nostrils, the breath of life in verse seven. And so the tree of life, which we're going to get back to when we get to uh, Exodus and revelation, the tree of life is in the garden. And in verse 15, it's the, the Lord places the man in the garden. So Andre, would you mind reading uh, verse 15 for us?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. So, in Genesis chapter 2, verse, verse 15, like you said, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it.
0: Thanks, man. So... And, oh, go. All
1: no, right, no, no, no. you, you got it, man. You got it.
0: Well, so the, all I was going to say with that verse is it's significant that he places him in the garden to cultivate, to protect. <clears throat> and so... We need to understand where those verbs appear elsewhere. So in the Hebrew, they only appear in one other place or one other descriptive uh, context, and that's when they're when we're describing the the role of the Levites or the priests in the tabernacle and the temple, which we're going to get into. And so in Numbers three seven and eight, it says that the speaking of the Levites, it says they shall keep guard uh, before the tent of meeting as they minister at the tabernacle. And so we see this idea that Adam is essentially like a priestly figure and what happens in the tabernacle in the temple while well, they're in god's presence so that eden is displayed as like this manifestation of god's presence and it's like this early tabernacle or this early temple and so what's gonna happen later is that the tabernacle or the temple is supposed to be like this miniature eden but right now they're completely in god's presence without sin and
1: i i think it's 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 really cool to you know kind of track that how we see here. Um, God's presence in the garden with Adam and Eve, see the deterioration of that, um, like kind of in, in your overview <clears throat> of Genesis with, with Adam and Eve, you, you know, you talked about um, eventually what's going to happen is the fall. We're going to see Adam and Eve no longer be able to be in God's presence. And then kind of your um, analysis of, you know, Adam being like, like a priest, like um, in that much like the tabernacle or the temple, you know, God's presence is, is uh, surrounding them both Adam and Eve here, and then, you know, we kind of see that no longer have the relationship until the New Testament. And it's interesting to, you know, kind of, um, track that through it and kind of here, we're going to see the similarities between actually what's going on with Adam and Eve in the garden and some kind of leading up, um, all the way, um, like through the fall, through, you know, the covenant with Abraham, we're going to kind of walk through quickly some of the similarities between those things.
0: Yeah. So to continue some of the similarities, the, the if you read in verse three, so that they've just ate the fruit. Eve eats the fr- Eve gets the fruit and gives it to her husband, and so they eat and they sin, the fall of man. And so in verse eight, they hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And so the same form that's used in the Hebrew to construct walking back and forth is the the same idea that's used when, when you're discussing God being present in the tabernacle in Leviticus 26 and in Deuteronomy 23. And so we see that in the same way God walks or is present in the tabernacle later, God's present here in Eden even in their sin, and so what's significant, just in some sort of applicable thinking uh, sense, right here is that in their sin, God is God draws near to them and extends the mercy. He doesn't. He's about to cast them out due to their sin. They're still going to face the consequences, but God is still going to clothe them, and God is going to be uh, near them, and He's going to come to them and ask them questions that reveal the truth.
1: And then also like important to point out how eventually when the fall happens, you know, when they are, they have to leave out of God's presence, we see that this is much like an exile, which exile is also a theme that we see, um, in the, throughout the Bible. Um, and then also like a great similarity to point out here, um, how they're exiled out of God's presence as Michael has pointed out. And it's like really, um, I think important to, you know, notice how, um, you know, they did have have this choice to, you know, either. Uh, you know, do as, as God instructed them to do, or, you know, eat of the fruit they weren't supposed to, and then have to leave out of um, God's presence in that way. And, and we kind of saw the deterioration of that. Um, as you said, you know, God still had mercy on them. He still clothed them. Um, you know, the relationship just wasn't the same after that, though. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's really sad. They no longer were in God's presence. And we should be, you know, very thankful and appreciative of that grace and mercy that God had over us to, you know, have a plan To restore this to fix this to be able for us to be able to be in his presence once again
0: that's really good one thing to tack on to the fact that they're driven out they're exiled and this is going to be a recurring theme as we look at the tabernacle the temple um, and and we look into the new testament is that they're driven out to the east and so later in genesis we see that lot chooses the city of man the city that looks rich he goes to the east so this east going east is this reoccurring theme of going out of God's presence in the Old Testament in particular. And so just real quick, once we've kind of gone through the fall, we see the consequences of the fall, they're exiled, then we have the Cain and Abel story, Noah's flood. We get all the way to the Tower of Babel and then we get to the Abrahamic covenant and God promises Abraham three main things. The land, the seed, or the children, land and seed, and blessing. And so he promises them those three things. And then Genesis is just a unfolding of this story with Abraham's family, essentially, as we go to Isaac, and then we go to Jacob, who's renamed Israel. And then we end up with his 12 sons, the 12 tribes, and the the end of Genesis is a focus on Joseph's story. And then we get to Exodus. So, Andre, do you want to kick us off thinking about what happens at the beginning of Exodus? How do we get to the tabernacle, essentially?
1: Yeah, man, for sure. I, I think it's, you know, also important uh, to point out, you know, as you said, with the Abrahamic covenant, definitely, um, you know, that kind of leading in point where you said like the three things that were promised and we see like, like, you know, the continuation of this, even though no longer in God's, uh, you know, direct presence as in the garden, um, we see that, you know, the, the promise of, of the seed eventually, um, go all the way through, uh, to Christ, which is, you know, where we see uh, God's presence once again, um, in, in a very different way, which we'll, we'll touch on later, but yeah, like you said, moving on into Exodus, uh, we see that um, a way needed to be made for um, God's presence to, you know, be available to the people. And it kind of just be how it was, how it was before because of the sin in the world. Um, and, you know, the solution there was to have uh, the tabernacle.
0: Yeah, So they have. So as Exodus begins, they're in slavery in Egypt. And so God hears the cry of his people. And he delivers them out of Pharaoh's hand. They go through the Red Sea, and then they come to Mount Sinai, which is where God gives... where God gives Moses the commandments and the law. And so that starts with Exodus 19, you're gonna be a holy uh, people, you're gonna be a holy nation. And then starting in Exodus 20, we see the 10 commandments. And then so now we get to the tabernacle, another pinnacle, climax or hot spot you could call it for God's presence moving through this thematically in the Bible. And so in the tabernacle, we start off with Exodus 25, contributions for the sanctuary and then they build the Ark of the Covenant. So just like the garden where they were cast out, and then we see that the cherubim were on the outside guarding the the entrance to Eden in the east, we see that the cherubim are going to be guarding, or they're going to be present in in the in the tabernacle. They're going to be woven into uh, the curtain, or in the uh, with the guarding around the ark. And then so the and how do you access the tabernacle? It's accessed from the east. Just like Eden was. So, how did you go out of God's presence in Eden? You went to the east. Same with the tabernacle. And so, the lampstand, which we're going to return to uh, when we talk about Jesus, the lampstand is significant because in Exodus 27, verse 20, we see that there's going to be a olive uh, light with olive oil that's going to be regularly set up to burn. And it's going to be a statute forever to be observed. This, this, uh, regulation or this, uh, practice. And so this is a lampstand, uh, that's like a new tree of life because the lampstand is decorated with branches of sorts. And so just like the tree of life was in God's presence. Now here we have a, a tabernacle of sorts that shows that, Hey, this is like the new tree of life.
1: Yeah, man, that's really good. And one thing that I really find to be super interesting is, is really like how methodical the instructions were of how the tabernacle and moving into, you know, what we're going to talk about next, which is the temple how methodical, you know, the instructions were, you know, you you need to set it up this way. It needs to be, uh, it needs to be like this layout. This is, this is like the way how God instructed them to set these things up. Um, I I think it's like, it's super, um, you know, you know, in in the way that it was, was just like such a majestic thing, such a methodical way that now, um, you know, man had to do to be able to, you know, be in God's presence. We see like they're longing for God's presence, as you pointed out. And, it's so different how before we, we saw um, like you pointed out um, God would was uh, like, like you said um, the rebel form of walking back and forth in in the garden. Now it's like this more like very methodical way. Only certain people can, you know, go into uh, the Holy of Holies. It's, it's, it's much different here. and, And it's, it's very interesting how, how, you know, this is set up in my opinion.
0: Oh, it's super interesting. And if you're having trouble picturing the tabernacle, it's essentially like a moving house for God, but it would be worth Googling a picture, or if you have the ESV study Bible, there is an entire like two pages dedicated to just showing you what it looks like. But it is important to envision what God's people were inhabiting in the moment. So the the most holy place, or the holy of holies, was essentially a 15-foot cube, and that had the Ark of the Covenant. So uh, I can't help but be blemished by the fact that when I hear Ark of the Covenant now, I think of Indiana Jones. Uh, which I am a a big fan of, but it is important to understand what these uh, things looked like and how the themes are carried about. So in the tabernacle, we had uh, that it's a 15-foot cube, the the Holy of Holies, and then that was like the innermost part, and that only the priest could enter one time per year to offer the sacrifice. We're going to talk about sacrifice again when we get to Jesus, and this is why understanding Leviticus is so important as well. And and then, so right outside that, we have the holy place, and then we have the courtyard. And so, this is going to be just like we see in the temple. And so, as we get out of Exodus, they uh, in Numbers they journey to the Promised Land. In Deuteronomy, they're at the edge of the Promised Land. In Joshua, they go into the Promised Land of Canaan, and they go to battle. Judges is kind of like a downfall, and then we get into First and Second Samuel. We have Saul, the the bad king. We are going super fast. I understand that. We get to David, the good, a great godly king, uh, and then his son Solomon, the third king of Israel, reigns. And so David had wanted to set up a temple, and God said, "No, your son is going to do that for me." And then so Solomon, in First Kings six, sets up this temple, or what we could think of as a permanent tabernacle uh, for God.
1: Yeah, man, that's that's really good. And you know, as you pointed out. Um, the connections between the tabernacle and the temple, um, in its in its layout, how you said, and then also we can connect that back to Genesis one and two, which we already have talked about, um, where uh, the holy of holies, you know, that can be uh, compared to the uh, to Eden, uh, the holy place being the garden, and then the courtyard um, being the rest of the world where God's presence presence is is available. from that you know that innermost Holy of Holies uh type place. Um, you know, I I think especially as as we think about as uh the book of Exodus, as you said, um during the exile, you know, we see um, you know, as you pointed out, God's presence um, you know, at, at Mount Sinai, for example, um, when uh you're you know, you're talking about um the law and Moses and and Along those things, you know, we see in and out God's presence being interwoven. Still, we see like specific instances where um, people are like directly in God's presence. And I, I think it's really cool how, how that relationship still occurs, even through um, the exile, even through, you know, seeing um, the mistakes being made uh, by Israel. You know, we're seeing their sin. We're seeing God having to judge them. But at the same time, you know, we're seeing that his presence is still it's still there, you know. It's still we see still see it in the in the entirety of the story, uh, through the, the tabernacle, through the temple. Um, you know, we saw it in Genesis. We see that it is constant. It's there, uh, just like you said. It's one of the main themes of that we can see like trace throughout the entirety of the Bible, and we can see how you know the people are are craving for being in God's presence. Um, yes, at times we see that potentially you know they fear it. Um, you know the example with. Um, you know, God's presence being being there at the foot of Mount Sinai. Uh, and we see that God specifically speaking to to Moses and the people, you know, they say um, in, in chapter 19, you know, you speak to God and then you tell us what he said, because if he speaks directly to us, he's, you know, he's going to destroy us. Um, so, you know, we see direct presence being available and present throughout the entirety of what we've discussed so far. And I think that's super cool and super great.
0: What's also super cool is how God the Holy Spirit writing through the authors constantly uses a mountain as a place for God's presence. So we've talked about in Mark this season about how Jesus is imitating or uh, echoing the Old Testament mountain pictures. So Jesus is on the mountain, I think, in Mark 3 when he calls the, the, the 12 disciples. And then so In Mark chapter 9, what happens? We end up with the transfiguration. Jesus is on the mountain when he's transfigured, and the glory of God in a human being is just evident right before uh, the inner three disciples. So with the tabernacle and the temple, we see a threefold layout, just like we saw with Eden. In Eden, we had Eden, then the garden, then the rest of the world. This is like a concentric circle type of imagery. And then with the tabernacle and the temple, we have holy of holies, holy place, holy place, Courtyard, and so Isaiah, who's a who's a gonna be a who's a prophet, and so we're gonna talk a little bit more about uh, the prophets, such as Jeremiah and Ezekiel, here in a second with the exile. But looking to exile before this, because Isaiah's around in the time of King Hezekiah, Isaiah prophesies about a coming Emmanuel, and that's what we're in the season for right now: is Advent, God with us. That's Jesus's name, Emmanuel. And so in Isaiah 7:14, God prophesies about this. However, this. Uh, Solomon, or David, is a good king. Solomon follows in his footsteps, but then is led astray by foreign women, we see in 1 Kings chapter 11. And then his son... Rehoboam and Jeroboam end up splitting the kingdom. The kingdom is split into Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And so due to the sin in the line of kings, Israel in the north has basically no good kings the entire time in the split uh, setup. And Judah has about 40 to 50%, depending on how you count it, uh, good kings as the as the line continues on. And so God, is, God sends his people into exile as punishment for sin. This is the same punishment that God told them He would uh, send them if they did sin and not uh, be obedient to the covenant back in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and so He sends them into exile, and that that happens first with Israel, and then it happens second with Judah uh, over a century later.
1: That's really good, man, and yeah, like, and as you know, you initially had said how exile is like just such a big theme, um, you know, throughout. Um, entire entirety of the Bible and you know before we even start recording you know you, you kind of pointed out how um, it's important that we talk about how it's even a theme still today but I think it's interesting to think about um, specifically how you know when, when the temple is destroyed specifically because you know as as we've seen um, you know the, the tabernacle and the temple as this was how uh, the Israel was like actually able to be in God's presence, and how his presence was was uh, available to them during this time, and then when you know the, the temple was actually destroyed and God's glory leaves the temple. But it's it's interesting how um, Ezekiel still sees visions of of a temple being renewed. And I think this is really cool because um, you know we still see his longing for God's presence. We still see that you know he has this vision that you know later on it will be renewed. Um, as if you, you know, if you've been following along with the podcast, later on with Ezra and Nehemiah, we see that, you know, the temple is, is restored. Um, but you know, as we see God's presence leave the temple, um, again, we see, you know, this like coming in and out and, you know, with that, we know that that's going to be, um, corrected, rectified when, you know, when we see Jesus's presence, um, first, you know, his birth, his ministries, but then also when the Holy Spirit comes in into play.
0: Andre knows how much I love Ezekiel and would love to do a long podcast season on it. So I want to make a couple other touch points with Ezekiel talking about exile and then getting into the New Testament, which is that we see in Ezekiel 10 a a prophecy about the glory of God leaving the temple. And we see in 33, so in 33, Ezekiel's already been taken into exile in an earlier deportation. And then in 33 is when the temple is destroyed. And so then we see that the glory of God... It's not located to one spot. So what's significant is that in ancient Near Eastern culture, they thought a deity was basically located to just one spot and did not, like, rule sovereign over the entire earth like our God does over the entire cosmos. And so in Ezekiel 1, verse 3, it says that the hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel there. And the word there is uh, existent in the text to emphasize that the hand of God was present with Ezekiel in exile. This would have been a foreign concept to them that God could be present outside of the promised land, that God could be present outside of the land, and God is with them in their exile. He's present among them, and he gives them a word of hope and promise. So in Jeremiah 29, the famous verse, I have plans for you to prosper, that that verse in 11, but from 10 to 14. Then in 31, we see the promise of the new covenant that Jesus is going to fulfill. And in Ezekiel 30, Six, we also get word about uh, God going to pour out his spirit on his people and give them a new heart. And so we see that God is present with his people in exile and he gives them a word of hope and then they return from exile. And so this was part of our talk topic for season one that they, in Ezra, they go back uh, a lot of the exiles return due to the decree of Cyrus in second Chronicles at the end. And then in uh, Ezra chapter one. And so they rebuild the temple and uh, in Nehemiah, they're going to rebuild the wall.
1: Yeah, and I, and I 100% think it's so interesting how God's presence is available and you know evident even in exile, even when when you know He is having to, um, even when you know the sin is evident, um, and you know God is having to, you know His wrath is is present, but you know we also see that His presence is still there. We still see His mercy, His grace, and um, then. As we as you talked about with the return from exile in uh, Ezra Nehemiah when the temple is rebuilt, um, and um, you know here we see it's important to note that you know here it's not completely restored it's still pointing towards Jesus uh, which we're gonna you know talk about next but uh, some people think that you know there's no evidence that uh, God dwelled in this second temple that we see in Nehemiah where where it's built and we talked about that in season one. In um, the second temple, is, you know, people think that there's no evidence there that God was dwelling, um, as He had uh, dwelt in the first temple, which you know Michael pointed out uh, the first temple built by by Solomon where you know God had um, tabernacled. Um, but you know, uh, you know, we wanted to point out you know the Bible Project even says that uh, even when the exiles return, the purpose of the temple was never ultimately fulfilled. And this, as we talked about in season one points specifically t- to Jesus, um, and specifically to us, uh, eventually, you know, the church being the temple, the Holy spirit coming and, you know, restoring that relationship.
0: Exactly. So God has uh, prepared a remnant. And so they've returned from exile. There are faithful people, but who's the remnant of God? The remnant of God, the true Israel of God ends up to be one person, Jesus Christ. So like Andre said, the The temple was not fully restored, and there's no king. There's no King David again. There's no Solomon. There's no monarchy in Ezra and Nehemiah. And so as we open the New Testament, we're looking for presence and we're looking for kingship. So we see in uh, Luke 1 and 2 and in Matthew 1 that Emmanuel is born, God with us. And we see in Matthew 1, 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so this king... David's son, David's eternal son, King Jesus is born. And so, Andre, do you just want to jump into real quick, like several points perhaps you might have on just like how Jesus is is bringing the presence of God from the Old Testament into a deeper reality for the people uh, among whom Jesus dwelled?
1: For sure, man. And, you know, I think it's really great how you also added on that, you know, they're awaiting Uh, god's presence but they're also awaiting a king i think that's like a great thing to point out we talked a little bit about that in this season um specifically but uh going into you know how um specifically we saw god's presence through you know once jesus comes onto the scene we see that um in john one we see that jesus dwelt among uh among the earth you know this kind of goes back to when god uh when his presence was available in the tabernacle and he tabernacled um and the, you know, uh, amongst the people we see this like same type of relationship specifically here with Jesus as he is uh, dwelling amongst the people on earth. We also see that Jesus is the light in John chapter eight. Um, and think here back to, um, the lampstand we saw in Exodus, as well as, you know, thinking back to the points we made about Genesis. Um, and you know, here we see that now we as believers are to be the light. Um, as we saw, you know, Jesus first, he is the light. We also see um, the the relationship of Jesus being um, the new temple. We see this in John chapter 2, verse 21. Do you want to read that one, Michael? And then maybe if you have any other points as well.
0: Yeah, so in John chapter 2, we see that Jesus has just gone into the temple and he's uh, shown a righteous anger of sorts about what is going on in the temple, the commercialism that's going on. And so Jesus has... Basically said it's going to the temple's going to be destroyed and I'm going to raise it up in three days and he's talking about his body. So John says, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. And then verse 22, when therefore he was raised from the, de- from the dead, his disciples remembered that he'd said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So Jesus is the new temple. And just like there was in the tabernacle in the temple with the bread of the presence in Exodus 25, Jesus is the bread of life. And so understanding some details of the tabernacle and the temple helps us appreciate just all the more who Jesus is as the Messiah, because in the Holy of Holies, there was a mercy seat. And so on the day of atonement in Leviticus 16, that's where this is explained, the high priest brings in the blood of the bull and sprinkles it over the uh, the mercy seat to make atonement for Israel. And so what does Hebrews 10 say? It says that we enter God's presence because Jesus's blood has been poured out out. It gives us a clean conscience. And so it's ultimately Jesus's blood on the mercy seat inside the Holy of Holies. And that's the ultimate sacrifice for our sins.
1: That's really good, man. And then, you know, moving on from Jesus and then into, you know, what, what happens next? We see that, um, as we've, we've talked about, you know, the Ascension, uh, what happens right before that? Um, Jesus, you know, tells the disciple now the helper is coming. Um, and that is the Holy Spirit and, I think it's really cool that you know throughout this whole time, we've seen the tabernacle, we've seen the temple, we've seen Genesis, we've seen um, exile as a big theme throughout. Um, but we've still seen God's presence interwoven through all of that. And then we got to see Jesus. Um, we got to see him in his kingship. We got to see God's presence again, um, uh, tabernacling um, amongst the earth. And now we get to see the Holy Spirit. And that is just super great because now it's this constant uh, presence of God that we have, uh, continuous access to, um, that we can, you know, we have the Holy spirit available to us now. And as Jesus said, this is going to be better for you guys. Um, so do you have any more points about how we, the church are now, um, you know, the embodiment of the
0: temple? I'd point two ways. One is, well, I guess three, one is our, uh, episode on the Ascension and how that relates to today with pa- Dr. Patrick Shiner. The second is, is uh, going back to our IGTV episode on Pentecost and how God now indwells believers via the Spirit. And the third is I just want to read two verses. So in 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 17, Paul writes, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. And so, like Andre said, uh, as the body of Christ, we are now the temple. Going back to Exodus, God desires a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And so as Peter says in 1 Peter uh, 2 9, we are this royal priesthood, this kingdom of priests that God has uh, desired for his people. And so as the church, we look forward to it we look forward to eternal consummation, uh, which is found in the end of Revelation in New Heaven and New Earth, which is without sin, an amazing uh a presence and eternal state for the people of God.
1: That's really good, man. And as we look, you know, to new heaven and new earth, you know, that is, as we talked about uh, when we when we uh, touched on the Advent season, looking forward to uh, what is to come and an expectation of new heaven and new earth, uh, we see a tremendous amount of, of times where in Revelation we see, you know, looking back towards Ezekiel, looking back towards um, Exodus and Genesis. And we see all the, like, the same connections that that we could you know trace um, from Genesis through the tabernacle, the temple, uh, through Jesus, and we know that that's what that's what we are uh, looking looking to as we are preparing for this episode. Uh, you know, Michael uh, pointed out to me it's important to uh, talk about how even now we are still um, in this sort of exile where we are still waiting um, for the restoration of how things were when God was when God's presence was. Um, in the way that it was in in the garden and we're still waiting for for that to be corrected you know now we we still don't have that same relationship and we are longing and expecting for that um, to happen one day and that is how we can um, appreciate how God's presence is still working through our own lives now
0: that's awesome, man. I just want to tie off some key themes real quick. So in in uh, Ezekiel forty seven one and two, we see that a, a river flows out of Ezekiel's eschatological or end times vision of a temple. It flows out to the east, and there's a river that flowed in Eden, and there's a river of life in Revelation twenty two. And what else? All what else is there? There's only one tree now. In Revelation twenty two, we see that there's a tree of life. And so we see that this is connecting back the imagery of the Tree of Life in uh, Eden and in the tabernacle and in the temple with the lampstand. And so this end time temple of Ezekiel faces east. It's on a mountain just like Eden was... Uh, symbolically illustrated to be. And then just like in the Holy of Holies, I said it's a 15-foot cube. If you read Revelation 21, heaven here, the eternal state, New Jerusalem, is a cube. It's shaped like a cube, like the Holy of Holies. So what is God's eternal state for his people? This is awesome. God's eternal state for his people is that it's a cosmic Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is a Is not just in one specific spot that you go into once per year. It's the entire eternal state with God. And it says in Revelation twenty-one, uh, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God. And so we're in God's presence in an eternal holy of holies, the eternal promised land.
1: And that is, you know, what we're all looking looking forward to and in expectation of. And that is, you know, where we find ourselves today. Um And, you know, I really, really love this episode. I don't really have anything else to add. Um, We went a little, we went actually a lot longer than we thought we would, but I think that it was, I think it was important to, you know, track God's presence from beginning to end and really make those connections uh, backwards and forwards and seeing how it all ties together and how um, it is so vital for us to understand uh, how we are still in this story right Mm -hmm. now and how we can look back to the experiences of israel back to the themes of exile and appreciate and under- understand more so god's mercy his grace his presence uh, dwelling amongst us now through the holy spirit and looking forward to the eternal fulfillment of the uh promised land but in the state that we are you know looking forward to in the state that we want as as god intended it to be
0: That's awesome. I just want to give a little bit of credit where I feel like I've learned so much. Uh, If you're looking for more, T. Desmond Alexander, G.K. Beal, Jim Hamilton, and so many others have uh, incredible uh, resources on this topic. Uh, They have really helped us Uh, see what the Bible's talking about when it comes to God's presence. And so when it comes to God's presence, in in three words again for the Bible, God with us. God's with us from Genesis to Revelation. We find ourselves in God's story. And for believers in Christ, as Peter says, we are elect exiles. And so in that, we are journeying, uh, looking forward to the day when God uh, reconciles all and we get to spend eternity with Him in that eternal temple. So, uh, Thank you for joining us for our 44th episode where we talk about God's presence. And uh, we hope you guys have an amazing end to the week.
1: In our 44th episode in about 44 minutes.